Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Okay, we're going to look at... First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5. And I'm just going to tell a little bit about how important this is. Because you guys need to do this. And the people watching need to do this. And so I'll give a little bit of a situation. There's this person that you guys don't know that um, I've been talking to. And they've been in and out of the hospital for some heart issues. The Holy Spirit just started to reveal to me to really look at anything in the scripture has to do with heart. So what I've learned talking with this person and then watching what's going on, you really have to go deep. God's bringing everyone to a place where you recognize in his word as the answers. And he healed everyone. He healed every single person who calls on the name of Jesus 2000 years ago, completely healed you. He set you free from every demonic torment. He has done what he's going to do. And so everybody prays, oh Lord, heal me. He already did. Oh Lord, deliver me. He already did. So why is he interceding for us? And what is it when we pray? You know, when he says, when you pray, he doesn't say, he says, when you pray, pray our father who art in heaven. Okay. So awesome, wonderful, powerful father. Recognize that God's your father. That's how dear and close he is. And if you had a messed up father relationship, get healing because you're never going to go very far in the walk with God. If you have bitterness towards a natural father and that keeps being switched over to God and you have to, whatever you have to do to handle that. I'm just telling you healing the broken hearted place. One Oh one, you have to have everything cleared up about you and your father. Okay. That's first. And when I look around at the people that are here tonight, whew, I don't know about everybody, but almost everybody here has had a lot of trauma with their fathers. The, the people are here tonight, and I won't say everyone, but most of you have had issues with your fathers. So as long as you do, if you do not go deep and deal with the issues with your fathers, you're not going to get very far in knowing your heavenly father. And we've done inner healing... These are things you have to do. These are things that, that just hearing me talk about them is not going to bring the healing. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. But you need to get alone with God and, and ask the Lord to heal every area in your heart that was hurt by your father. And let him take you there. Okay, let him take you there. There's no way there's ever going to be a human being, either here or anywhere else, and this is a small church, who can do all these inner healings. You're going to have to learn how to do them. You're going to have to learn how to do them. Okay? It's done by faith. So trusting that God is true, that if Jesus Christ said he came to heal the brokenhearted, he means it. And that once you get saved, 
His next agenda, according to his word, is I've got to heal every place you've been hurt. So when he tells us how to pray, he tells us to pray our father, which is a pretty big indicator. Every time you hear him talk about his father, our father, father, God, everywhere, father, father, father. Let's see how many times father is in here. Hold a second. I just know I keep doing inner healings on people and it always is going back to their fathers, even though they thought they've done that. So I'm just letting you know, take the time to do this. There's no way that somebody in this ministry is going to personally be able to walk everybody through all their mess. And they're not supposed to. That's what Holy Spirit does. So tonight we're going to kind of teach you some ways to do that. Yeah, in the, New, in the New Testament alone, there's 324 verses, just in the New Testament. And if you do the whole thing, there's mindset, 11, 1137 matches or 978 times is found. So father, now if we put mother in there, I bet you she's not in there as much as father. 294 verses um, over 1,000 or right at 1,000. Okay, which, which is just an indicator right off that you need to get everything about your, your relationship with your father under the blood of Christ. Like I said, when I look around, it's like, wow, I don't, not every single person, but about everybody here that I know um, has had father issues. So let's deal with them, okay? So... Um, so let me go back to this heart thing. This person's heart thing um, had to do had to do some with the one had to do with the relationship with the father. Let me see if I can find it. All right. So what I did when I I heard that what they were going through and I and began to seek the Lord about you know what's going on, Lord. Um, this person had never had heart problems before. They didn't know they had heart problems, and then all of a sudden it's showing up. So the particular part of their heart that there's um, concern about is where um, the blood now flows out of the heart. So that made me think, uh, pray about, it, it just right away to my spirit brought the revelation of out of the heart flows. You know, you hear out of the heart flows, everything flows out of your heart, okay? So I looked up, um, so I went into this, under, you know, under the little, in the e-sword, and I put in there, out of the heart, new, t new covenant, because there's a ton of them, but new covenant. And as I was just glancing through the list, 1 Timothy 1.5 just jumped out at me. 1 Timothy 1.5. Now this is mainly, this isn't necessarily about your father. So if you were going to study your father, if you want to say, okay, Lord, where do I need to be? What, can we quit waiting until we have something wrong with us? And then there may not be time. Okay, then there may not be time. And you keep hearing about so many people dying of heart attacks and young people dying of heart attacks and everybody wants to blame it on a certain thing that happened. And that certain thing may have something to do with it, but it's still probably related to a heart issue because otherwise everybody would be goodbye, not just a random sum. So then the key would be, okay, why, what is it that's going on with my heart? And the thing about hearts, if somebody has a massive heart attack, it can be too late to then try to go and see. But even more important than that, if 
knowing the father was Jesus' number one thing. He wanted us to know his father. And he said, my father and your father. And if I go to my father. And so he really wants us to know. He came to reveal that God is a father. Father, 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 wonderful father. One place at Kazamaba, like his daddy, like a really good father. And so the enemy knows that if he can stop us from having a good relationship with our father and having a lot of bad memories about our father or a lot of bad experiences with a father or stepfather or father figure, and then get a church and if some pastor or, so, or somebody's in a Catholic church and they call father. So the enemy's going to attack everywhere he can, anywhere he can get in. And he's going to, for all the fathers, he's going to try to make you uh, a problem in your children's lives. Because that's one of his biggest attacks. Because he knows if he can stop you from connecting with your heavenly father, then your prayers won't be answered. You won't be able to trust God and you'll live constantly feeling condemned and, and you won't have that big victory. Now, if you had great fathers, then praise God. Some people didn't have a father in the house at all. Our entire culture is trying to keep the father of the house. Divorce is going through the roof. Nobody even knows anymore if they're boy or girl. I mean, the world has gotten crazy. And I really believe a big part of it is because we do not understand true fathers, fatherhood, what fatherhood is about and our heavenly father. And so I want to encourage everyone who's here. And when I look at it, I said, boy, we really got the right people here. And, um, and then now that somebody just walked in, who's probably going to come share a testimony because she just got a really big breakthrough about her father. But let me just get to this part. So I was looking, I want to teach you how to do this. So when this part, when I heard that this person was having heart issues, one of the things I really prayed about was, um, was, you know, well, Lord, I know it talks about what comes out of your heart. So I wanted to see what could be going on in this person's heart. When I turned to 1 Timothy 1.3, there's a lot here. 1 Timothy 1.3, even as I called on you to remain, oh. to remain in Ephesus, that you might charge some not to teach other doctrines, nor to give heed to fa fables, to endless genealogies, which occasion doubts, rather than the stewardship of God in faith. So basically, right off it caught my attention because I knew that this one person had gone from church to church to church to church and had been involved um, with a lot of conferences and things and a lot of things that opened them up to some strange doctrine. So it kind of caught my attention that here's this person, you know, who I know has gone to conferences and different things and they think of themselves as pretty spiritual. And, um, and yet it starts talking about don't follow um, fables, genealogies, any of these kind of things. Because doctrine can get so off track when people are trying to find doctrine outside of the word and when we're trying to find the next new thing. And here's the bottom line. Holy Spirit, you cannot make healing the brokenhearted places, even the way we do it a lot. It cannot become a formula, okay? None of this works without the Holy Spirit, okay? None of this works without the Holy Spirit. Nothing works without the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that works without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. So you can go to conference after conference here, teaching after teaching, and try to get as spiritual as you want. Nothing works unless the Holy Spirit is doing it. Even being here tonight, he should have brought you here. He should have the people who are going to watch this. And when I see so many people here who have father issues, it's kind of cool to know, okay, because this is not 
what I was going to teach on Tuesday nights. I was supposed to be in my whole big journey in the first, second Corinthians. I was already up to verse 13 and it's only been three or four weeks. So anyway, all right. So I was looking at this. I said, wow, Lord, this kind of jumps out at me because I know this person has gone from conference to conference and thing to thing to thing. And some of the things I've known that they've been involved with, I always thought that's, they've gotten messed up. Okay. It says, but the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith that's not pretended. And that jumped at me again. This person had done a lot of things in the faith movement. Faith movement is awesome. The promises of God are, is awesome. I love the word of God. I love the teachers in that movement when the Lord put me through that. But if you park there and try to make that the all in all, or you, and it says to add to your faith. You're not adding to your faith if you think this is the answer to everything. And then when it becomes legalistic, it becomes pretended faith. You think if I say it enough, if I say it enough, then it has to happen. You saying it enough doesn't do anything. It's when Holy Spirit gives it to you and you reveal it because Holy Spirit gives it to you. Okay. Christianity 101. Nothing works without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. There, there, it's just religion if it isn't the Holy Spirit. But the good news is, when you get born again, he comes inside of you. That's the good news. And if you're hungry and you only want the Holy Spirit, you'll only have the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be full of the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is ask, but it can't be about you. It has to be about him and his kingdom. So Satan wants to wound you so much that everything is about you. He either wants you to feel so great and wonderful that everything's about you or so bad and pitiful that everybody should help you. Either way, Satan wants you the center of your world. And Jesus is the author and the finisher of faith. He's everything. And Holy Spirit has come to enforce what he paid for. So get that. Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you're born again. And if you get hungry for God and really go after God and you get full of his spirit and you spend more time listening to the word and inviting the Holy Spirit to teach you, you spend more time worshiping and whatever, speaking in tongues, whatever Holy Spirit has you do, then you're going to be full of the Holy Spirit. And this works a lot better if you're full of the Holy Spirit. To be anointed really just means, not just, it's an awesome thing. It means I'm full of the Holy Spirit and his very anointing, he rubs it all over me. He just, he just anoints me. It's like his oil. That's the oil you have to have to be the bride to uh, when Jesus talks about the bride being ready. And half the church isn't ready according to that. When Jesus says that half the church didn't have oil in his parable, that's sad. I, I actually think if half the church had oil right now, we'd be doing pretty good. Because we exchanged it for legalism, for socialism, for anything, you know, felt it's all about Holy Spirit. The whole church age is the age of the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus Christ who reveals the Father. It's never really about us. Thank God. All right. So he says, um, so I really looked at this. So I'm, so I'm ministering to this person. You know, you need to really sit down and see if you bought into wrong doctrine, you need to really sit down and see if you have pretended faith and not real faith. And I've got teaching on that. You can go to the mentorship or the partnership on beautyfreshes.org and go look those up because I don't have time to teach those again because that's a lot of teaching. But you need to know your faith is real. 
Okay, how do you know if it's real? Because it comes from Holy Spirit. You do what he shows you. You're amazed what he shows you. And then it works. So what you're believing for happens. You're also having more love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience in your life. And if it's pretended faith, go ask God why you, you're having a blockage to the real faith. And, and some of this may be telling you, if you got into all those things and all that kind of stuff, and once again, I don't know why, but tonight the Lord keeps saying, go back and look at the relationships with your father. All right. He says, from having missed the mark, some have turned to empty talking. So if what you're saying and what you're doing, it's empty, then, then the prayers aren't being answered. Your authority's not happening. You're saying this and this and this. And some people, you know, you, you, can, I, you can hear when it's empty when you really have discernment, you walk with the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if a lot of people are saying the same thing, something could be happening and it may have nothing to do you, with you saying it. That's, I call that a mimicking or mocking. They mock what the true prophetic people are saying. They mock what people really know God are saying. Then the enemy makes them think that they, they thought it, they said it. And it's not about who's who, it's about who's anointed. Who is free to walk in this? Because he wants all of us to be. He wants all of us to be. There's plenty to do. There's plenty for everyone to do. Plenty. So they've missed the mark. And when you miss the mark in your spirituality, you turn to empty talking. No, don't anybody think I'm picking on anybody because I did not plan this at all. I just was going to do what I was supposed to do tonight and I couldn't, I couldn't even look at it. I'd look at it, I don't want to look at it, I don't want to look at it. So, and then he gave me this for this other person, but now he's kind of given it to me. I could see what he's doing with it. So we need to get real first. We need to get real. We need to get to a place to deal with our father issues we need to, and I'm not talking to everybody. Okay, some of you are anointed now. Some of you have some real going on. Some of you have a little real going on. Some of you have real going on. And some of you have matured and more reals going on. But is there anybody here who's satisfied with how much you have going on? I'm not, so hopefully you're not. Okay. Oh, do you think you have more than me? I don't think about that. I had a pastor once. He said, so you think you're more anointed than me? And I said, I don't think about that. And he actually about threw me out of the church because I wouldn't say that he was more anointed than me. Was he more anointed than me? I don't think about that. All right. But the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. So what do we want here? We want our hearts pure and we want a good conscience. Let's see what another word for that is. This is for we reach the goal of fulfilling all the commandments when we love each other deeply with a pure heart, a clean conscience, and sincere faith. Well, that's pretty powerful because now it's telling us that we need a pure heart. So if you want to avoid heart issues, now am I saying that everybody's ever had a heart problem? Actually, I'm saying ask God why you had a heart problem and don't ask me. Can we get overthinking that maybe we aren't perfect yet? 
I mean, it, it really takes a humbling yourself to realize we're not perfect yet. The church needs this humbling. The church really needs this humbling. You're not perfect yet. Quit saying it's God's timing when people die outside of God's timing or from sickness or accidents. The only biblical way to die is just to, you're really old and you die because you finished what he has you to do or you're persecuted for righteousness sake and you die a martyr. Those are the two biblical ways to die. The only biblical way to die really young is to be martyred for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't judge the others. It doesn't matter because we're none perfect. And, and the devil's going around seeking who he can to destroy. But let me tell you what. Can I tell you, he's out to destroy. We are in a new place in time. We are in a new season. We're in the days of sorrows, which, is, which gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And the enemy's attacks get stronger. And the purpose of that is for the church to die to self and to mature and to listen to a message she maybe not, didn't want to hear before. Okay, just just this little bit. You could see you could everybody in this room could go spend really hours looking some of this up and talking to God about it. So. Um, so we want to look at a pure heart. So that's a whole study. Now, we don't have time to do that now, but that's a whole study. Lord, OK, pure, pure really means a heart without evil in it. Now, we know, we know this isn't talking about your natural heart. We know this is talking about where your soul, your soul and your emotions and your will and, and your thinking all connects with your spirit. So how many knows that that right there tells you there's going to be a lot of sanctification going on and healing? How many know that this word of God has so much to do with this, and yet it's so very slightly emphasized in the body of Christ? We can't seem to get away from the elementary teachings. We need to be holy because he's holy. We want to draw near to him, so we have to deal with these things. And that's why we deal with them. I deal with these things because I want to be near to God. I don't deal with these things. The benefit of being near to God is Satan loses his power to attack you all the time. He loses his power to win every time. He loses his power to win. And then when the enemy hits, you're not falling apart, shaking and crying and calling every prayer line you can. And, you know, all of a sudden you get this, okay, God, I want to teach you what to, what to do. You go to your father and you talk to him, but you humble yourself. What does that mean? Show me me. Where did I miss it? What have I done wrong? What, what lines have I crossed? You know, Lord, help me to see me. That's humbling yourself. And he likes that. Anything outside of that, even when a trial hits, is pride. To think that God owes you a healing is prideful. To think that you can decide how God's going to do it is prideful. To actually think that you get to pick what church you go to is prideful. To think that you get to pick which meetings you go to is prideful. Holy Spirit, he has the job to lead you. And in leading you, he's going to deal with your heart issues and everything else. All right. So a clean conscience. What's that mean? It means every place where you needed to ask somebody to forgive you that the Lord's shown you, you've gotten it right with them. 
It means anything you've ever participated in that's not holy, that's gross, that hurts somebody. You have really hated how you have hurt someone. You've really got before God and you ask them to forgive you. You've asked people to forgive you and you get your conscience clean. No one can have a clean conscience who was looking at pornography uh, yesterday. No one can have a clean conscience who was cussing somebody out at work today. So when we see the word clean conscience, it means the stuff you are aware of. The stuff you're aware of. The stuff that you as a human being have to take care of, you take care of it. That's a clean conscience. That's where if somebody lies about you, you know, well, my conscience is clean. I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. They're twisting that. And so you just know your part is right. And so you get before the Lord. Lord, show me any place where I should be convicted. See, if I have a clean conscience, I'm not going to be convicted, right, of sin. But the, but the key is, in this, he may want to deal with something from way back. And so my, I could have a clean conscience in the sense of praying until he says, now we're going to deal with this. How many the Holy Spirit is in charge of when we're going to deal with stuff? I'm not in charge of it. You're not in charge of it. So that's why it's so important that you have your own personal relationship with the Lord and that you go where he wants you to go when you're supposed to be there, right? Because this is your responsibility. This is not the responsibility of the fivefold leadership, even though some of them think that it is. We're supposed to show you how to do this. We're supposed to come alongside you and help you, which is what I'm doing tonight, okay? But Holy Spirit is not going. Jesus Christ did not die so a fivefold ministry could take over in your lives. It is an amen, because even trying to take over your own life, nobody can do, okay? So Holy Spirit was sent as an awesome, most powerful, greatest thing that ever happened. To, the greatest thing that ever happened to mankind amen. was that God came and lived inside of them. And so to be a poor me, or I can't clean up my act, or I can't stay out of sin, something is really missing, people. And I'm sure I'm not talking to anybody here talking to somebody on there and you need to get honest about what is missing because holy spirit is so powerful that there's nothing too big for him he can bypass anything that you've ever blamed and he can take care of everything okay but he's going to show you how to do it you've got to make time for him to show you i encourage you you know, in your groups, start healing the brokenhearted places. Get together and do some healings led by Holy Spirit. I don't just not anybody. Don't let anybody make stuff up. But, but really go after this stuff. And even at home. Okay, so clean and a sincere faith. These are the three things you want. Pure heart, clean conscience, and sincere faith. So those are all things I would go look up on the mentorship or the partnership page and listen to teaching on them. Or go and get in the word and find out what are those things. Because I know I have a lot of teaching on sincere faith. All right. Um, some believers have been led astray by teachings and speculations that emphasize nothing more than empty words of men. So empty talking. They presume to be expert teachers of the law, but they don't have the slightest idea of what they're talking about. And they simply love to argue. So when we love to argue and debate, it's a superior, it's a spirit of superiority. We think we're right, so we just want to say what we want to say. 
And if you have Holy Spirit in you and you're maturing, he gives you self-control. You actually get to a place where you don't even want to debate anybody. The only time you're even going to talk about it is because God makes you. I know way back before God got a hold of me really good, John and I would argue, and he's the closed down quiet type, and I used to be the attack type. And I always thought I won because I got the last word in, which isn't hard with somebody who doesn't talk. <laughs> but the Lord showed me later when he really began to draw John and I into the relationship he wanted us to have as a husband and wife, I realized I was hurting the marriage by having to win the arguments. Now, that doesn't mean if God tells you to stand up to somebody who's controlling and manipulating, don't step on their eggshells, then the Lord's going to say, you need to stand up to this. And only he knows which is which. Sometimes you don't even know. But if you start getting sensitive, you'll know, right? If you start getting sensitive, you'll know that was me. If you get real sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because he's dealing with your conscience and you can get convicted now. And he says, you know, that's not how you're supposed to act. Okay, right. Can everybody say they see that more and more in their lives than they used to? Okay, that's a good sign because that means Holy Spirit's there, okay? Not condemnation, all right? I want you to get the difference. Condemnation is, you're so bad no matter what, you'll never do this right. God never says that. That would be like God saying, this is too big for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, does anybody think God's ever going to say, this is too big for the Holy Spirit? He, he's never going to say that. So, so you need to say that to that spirit when it says, oh, you're so bad, it'll never change. Shut up. This is not too big for the Holy Spirit. This is not too big for the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to write that down. <laughs> Some of you need to write it down. This is not too big for the Holy Spirit. This is not too big for the Holy Spirit. This is not, we need a bumper sticker. This is not too big for the Holy Spirit. Even what's going on in our nation right now is not too big for the Holy Spirit. Whatever we're going to walk through, it's not too big for the Holy Spirit. And guess who lives in you? The Holy Spirit. So this is not too big for you. No matter what it is, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on, it's not too big for the Holy Spirit. So hang out with him, hear him, and do what he says. And go after the clean, pure heart, clean conscience, and sincere faith. All right. Um, Get rid of argumentative spirit. It talks about here that those who think they're superior and experts are going to argue everything. They're just going to argue everything. So if you're in the group and you argue everything and you want to argue with everybody all the time, deal with a, fear, a spirit of superiority that you just took on to feel better about yourself. All right. Um. We know that the moral code of the law, this is the Passion Translation. We know that the moral code of the law, 1 Timothy 1.8, is beautiful when applied as God intended. But actually the law was not established for righteous people, but to bring conviction to, of sin to the unrighteous. Right, I want you to get this a minute. Why is it that the law was written for the unrighteous, but not the righteous? Right, Because... With the law, you don't have Holy Spirit in you. So you have to read what it says, figure it out in your head, and say, oh, this must be sin because God says so. When Holy Spirit lives in you, he takes over in that area. 
Okay. Then he's in charge of when you deal with what he's in charge with how to deal with everything. That's the whole idea of being a Christian and not religious. That's the whole great, awesome thing about it. So that's why no person can do this for you. I mean, you could be led of Holy Spirit. You should be led of Holy Spirit. And if you're here tonight, and a lot of times teaching like this can help everyone. Uh, most of us have something God's going to deal with. But the bottom line is quit thinking it's about you doing it and recognize, oh, Holy Spirit, the comforter. Why is he going to comfort you? Because you're going to need some comforting in this. You're going to need some comforting when the enemy whams you and, and he wins. You're going to need some comforting when God shows you you. You're going to need comforting when he shows you how you hurt your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends. Right? Everything here is like, yeah. And people you minister to, whoever, the people you work with, you're going to need some comforting. But look what he says. He doesn't condemn you. He comforts you. I forgot what, um, it was a dumb thing that I did this week. But anyway, so I, I got migraine back. I haven't had one in a long time for something stupid I did. And um, I took this dose of vitamins that are supposed to help your fingernails grow something. I don't know. And I forgot that if I ever take too much vitamins, that used to trigger migraines. And so I took this stuff. And, and it's all legal. It's nothing, you know, big deal. Kind of expensive. I just didn't bag my money back. But I totally have forgotten because I've had migraines in so long that my body's super sensitive if I take too much vitamins. Plus, just so everybody knows, um, this is from the Mayo Clinic. Any vitamin taken in too high doses can eventually hurt your liver and actually become toxic. And recently somebody died from taking different kind of these supplement vitamins because too much got in their system. So just be careful with all that because everything they sell you is trying to make it a quick thing. And this just seemed, I didn't just didn't see a big deal because it was just, you know, it made sense to me until I started getting this headache. And so by taking this stuff for three days, I was like, why have I got this migraine? And then it just reminded, and so I, I looked it up. I said, can migraines happen because of taking too many vitamins? And it was right there. And I thought, oh, and then I was just like, beating myself up like, oh, God, Lord, I forgot that I, if I ever used to take too many vitamins, that it would um, give the, trigger these. But it's good that I forgot it because I haven't had them in a long time. But at the same time, so I saw like about for the fourth time, I was like, God, please forgive me. And the Lord's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I already asked him to forgive me. You really only have to ask once if you mean it. After that, he's like, I'm not in this conversation. <laughs> I'm not in this conversation. How cool is that? That's how forgiving is. Just ask. Um, anyway, so um, the righteous, those who are right with God, we get convicted of sin so that we can repent, ask forgiveness, and go in a different direction. Now, if you lived under a lot of legalism, pretended faith, a religion with a lot of rules, you might really need to take some time to spend with Holy Spirit and get in the word to say, all of that was taking the place of God, okay? That's a really bad thing. It's a bad thing to go back under legalism when he died to set you free from it. 
And it will, and that spirit will keep condemning you and keep making you feel like you're not doing it. It's time to kick him out. It's, don't let him be your judge. Don't let him be your father. Don't let him be lie. Don't let him lie to you. Don't let him even talk to you. And definitely don't call him God. The law was established to bring the revelation of sin to the evildoers and the rebellious ones, the sinners without God, those who are vicious and perverse and who strike their father and their mother, sinners, murderers, rapists, those who are sexually impure, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars, those who break their oaths, and all those who oppose the teaching of godliness and purity in the church. They are the ones the law is for. Well, when I was thinking about this person who got into hyper-spirituality and all that, but it, but time before that, they used to uh, live a pretty bad life, like gangs kind of stuff. And so, and they also really crossed lines into sexual perversion. And so when I was looking at the issues of the heart, now when you read this in another translation, the literal, let me get to that part. It says this, um, it says, um, <laughs> it says, the lawless and undisciplined ones, for ungodly and sinful ones, for unholy profane ones, for slayers of fathers, slayers of mothers, for murderers, fornicators, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and any other that oppose sound doctrine. And so I looked at that, I, I was saying, you know, we're talking, the first thing that brought us to this was about a pure heart and the issues that come out of a heart. And actually, I think when I saw it in the King James, it was worded that way more. And it just jumped out on the page to me that this person, though they had heard some inner healing, they listened to us on the radio and stuff. And I was like, um, how deep have you gone in being set free from the kind of stuff you did when you were in a gang? How deep have you gone in um, even uh, hating your, your father? You know, um, and, and crossing lines you know, I saw the word, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm in no way endorsing any sex outside of marriage. But the word fornicate actually means whoremonger. It actually means one who has an appetite that just sleeps around and there's no, nothing of love involved. And the Lord just gave me, for those who cross that line when they're in love and dating, he, he tells them to get married. <laughs> If that passion in you, if there's that passion in you that you love this person and want to be with them that way, then get married. So I, I really felt like we needed to separate that from the person who just sleeps with anybody. They've slept with 10 different people. One, there's, a, there's an answer for one that our, the younger generation needs to hear. They need to hear that, look, if you really fall in love and you need as parents to not let them get in grown-up situations, I'm telling you, I told my kids and I meant it, until you can marry, there's no reason to date. Why? Because God has an answer, a real biblical answer that would help stop abortions, that would help stop um, uh these teenage pregnancies and also teenage, you know, marriages. And nobody wants to hear truth, but it's time we hear truth. Has it helped to have all these abortions? Has it helped to have these kids and all the garbage on television everywhere else? No, it hasn't helped because we need to get biblical. God is smart. He says, look, this is a really strong appetite, this thing called passion. 
If the devil gets it, it becomes perverted. And when it becomes perverted, if you've ever crossed into any kind of relationship that's not natural, that's female with female and male with male or older person with a child or any other weird thing in between or more than one person, any of the garbage that's kind of normal in our culture now, which is sad. If you've watched that, been entertained by that or participated in that, okay, that's perversion. You need to go deep into why. Why did I let the devil take put that in my heart. Why did I go there and sit with God and hear God and get free for real and where he needs to heal you, where you, you need to be healed from crossing lines or you need to get the healings. You need to go back and get those healings. And a lot of the women conferences, we've had the retreats. A lot of women have gotten really free from some of these things, but you don't have to wait for that. Lord, help me. Just find one friend who's, who you can trust and, and together you can start going after some of these things. Just make sure that that person's got things all right. Everybody's got to start stepping out and growing and maturing. That's how we got into last. We had uh, Bible studies and you know, some of the pastors with control issues don't go to home Bible studies. Well, thank God we did and thank God we had them. We got more healing and deliverance, honestly, in our home Bible studies than we were able to get in the churches back then. You can't say that for here. But you can say, you know, it's time to really go after this. So when I saw this and it talked about the things in the heart, I told this person, you need to go see some of those things you participated in when you were living that gang life that gangster life. You need to go see some of the things you participated in before you knew Jesus Christ. And you need to go deep in that. You got to quit shoveling. It's not somebody else's fault. There's a reason you were involved in it. Okay. Now, if you were a child, then you were damaged. And it's not that the adult had no right crossing lines. Okay, so there's, there's no blame on a child. That's what the devil tries to do to make that child get really messed up. So you want to get healed from that, though. You want to get healed from those lies that were placed on you, the accusation, the fear, everything that happened, and you want to get completely made whole. Okay, so the enemy doesn't still get to hurt you there and hurt future relationships there and cause you to run this way or that way. Does everybody get what I'm saying? But you need to sit down and take some time and let me say this, and um, another person who I've ministered to, they were determined that their daughter was not going to fall into the sin they fell into. They were determined that she would never uh, have a teenage pregnancy, that she wouldn't be sexually active as a teenager, that she definitely would never um, have an abortion, all that. And her daughter pretty much did everything that she tried to control her from doing. And she snuck around and this and that and even took it all to another level in some ways. You cannot with control stop somebody from doing something. But your prayers aren't really powerful until you go and deal with the deep things here. Till you get the stuff about understanding who the Father God is straight. Until you go and you really deal. Think how much we could help our children and they wouldn't all have to be and counseling and medication and everything else and whatever else, or just let them run wild. 
And I'm not against anything that you're doing to try to help. I'm saying God has a bigger way to do this, you guys. And if you never handled this and your kids are still in that kind of mess, go spend some time with God, get to your part of it, the root of it. Why? Because the prayers of the righteous prevail. The prayers where you're still unrighteous do not prevail. No. Do you see what I'm saying? Can I just tell you, it's okay if a, if a lot, if, if every day you took an hour or two and hung out with God to get healed from the broken places to deal with these issues, you would save that time in, in paying for lawyers, in paying for divorces, in paying for health problems, and all these other things. If we would just go before God and make it part of our life to deal with the issues that he writes about in almost every single new covenant letter written by apostles. And yet the church barely touches on them. I went to a weekend seminar. Oh, I'm glad God wrote all the whole Bible for you to have a weekend seminar. The whole new covenant. A big part of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit making you ready to be the bride of Christ, making you holy. That is a big part of the covenant. That's the biggest part of the covenant. He comes in to make you ready to be the bride of Christ. He comes in to put you in the family of God. He comes in to make you holy. That is what the covenant is. He died, Jesus died so we could be family. But we're to look like God. We're to act like God. We're to have all these other things out. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And everybody kind of skips it, it seems. It needs to be part of your regular talking to God. Because wouldn't it be nice to quit having so many trials? And wouldn't it be nice to have victory in the big trials? And wouldn't it be nice to be able to live walking above this? And even when the enemy tries, you know exactly what to do. You don't get into fear. And you watch God move and do miracles. This is so important. Don't think BFA is not going to be talking about this. Because if we're going to train up leaders and we're going to train up people to minister to others, they need to hear this and they need to, first of all, let it happen in their own lives and then start to pass that on to other people and pour out what God's done for them. All right. So if you have any of those things there that really oppose sound doctrine, any of those things where Satan thinks he has you and he can condemn you with them, spend time finding out why did I give into that? Why did I choose that? How did I get in that relationship? How did I do that to somebody else? Show me, how did I do that to my kids? How did, whatever it takes, okay? Whatever it takes, go all the way down until you know that you know that you've been forgiven, that you forgive yourself, that you forgive other people involved, and that you've been healed and set free where if you had to stand up and share about it to anyone, there's no shame, you could do it to help somebody else get free. I'm giving you a homework assignment for the rest of your life. Amen. Okay. All right. Oh. He says, according to the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I was entrusted, and I have thanks to him empowering me, our Lord Jesus Christ, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The one, okay, now I want, since we're doing these teachings to really help leaders and those who are in ministry also, here we have Paul speaking here as he's been talking to Timothy. And he says, 
He says, I have thanks to him. He's thanking God. He's empowered me. He says, our wonderful Lord Jesus, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So there's a real key here. God wants us to be someone who's faithful before we get put into ministry. Okay, so if you're still struggling and struggling and struggling and you won't let God deal with these issues, then the enemy has a way in to hurt you and to hurt others. And so you really want to to get to this place that Paul got to to be able to say, wow, thank you for empowering me. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, thank you for counting me faithful. You want to hear God say you're faithful. You want to hear God say you're faithful, not blaming other people, not blaming wrong doctor, not blaming God for your mess. Whenever you blame God for your mess, that's bitterness. Deal with it. We got teaching on that too. Everybody who's watching, go to beautyforashes.org and sign up for the mentorship or partnership program. They're almost nothing. One teaching in there would cost you more if you just bought the CD or DVD. And you can have as much as you want for, I think it's, anywhere 20 25 dollars a month something like that and if you're totally don't have it for real and that you're not smoking cigarettes you're not buying burgers out every day you really can't come up with it then call the office and just like we do internet oh somebody must lay it away look at that <laughs> we'll go get that and find out who that is <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. Okay, so that person, if they have a, if they, if they're sincere and they're not lying to us, they're going to join the mentorship for free right now. But you could go to beautyfreshes.org and do that without calling us. Um, and all that little hollering you hear—that's our kids' church having a great time. Which we have that on Tuesday nights too, so you can come and get help while your kids are growing in the things of God. All right. So I want you to see this. He says he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. How many know there's people in ministry who God hasn't counted faithful? How many know they're just targets for the enemy to attack? How many know right now the enemy's attacking and they're falling left and right and their sexual sin and their perversions and their control and everything's being brought to the surface? So look how he puts this right in the middle of telling how to get free. And then he says, now he's talking about himself now. And see, this is the cool thing. This was what this Paul didn't see himself in this scripture like he did when he when he said I was the apostle of I mean apostles I was the teacher of all teachers and the Pharisee of all Pharisees and I had all this and I was taught the best. Now he sees himself. He goes, wait a minute, wow, God's given me His power, our wonderful Lord Jesus. He counted me faithful. He even put me into ministry. And he goes, and I'm the one who before was a blasphemer. He said, he said, you know. My, here while I thought my identity was this great religious guy, my true identity then before I knew Christ, I was blaspheming. I was coming against God. I was, he was basically killing Christians. He goes, he was horrible. He says, I was a perse- um, persecutor. I was insolent. He said, he said, I did all these horrible things, but I received mercy. And he goes, because being ignorant, I did it in unbelief. Isn't it awesome you can also receive mercy even if you did it knowing you were straight out sinning? But you have to really plead the blood and you have to want to get free. But the thing I loved about Paul here, as I'm talking to those who are ministering to others and pointing to others, it's time for us to be humble. 
it, Paul was able to say, this was my past and God in his mercy still uses me. This is who I was, but it's not who God saw me as. It's not who I am. I'm not identifying with it anymore. And I want you to see anything that was your past. I don't, God doesn't take you back to face your past so that you can live in the past. He, he makes it so the past doesn't continue to destroy you. He does it so you get free. He does it so you really get free. And, and so Paul can then talk about his past, but he's not condemning himself. He's not going, gosh, I can't. But he understood God's great mercy. He understood God's great mercy. And so when you see what God has set you free from, when you see what you've walked through and God has really delivered you, you're going to recognize his great mercy. You're not going to be the victim in it. Paul's like, I was just a victim. I really thought. He's like, no. He goes, these were the things the enemy did in my life that I bought into, but I've been forgiven. What mercy, what mercy. And then God, to have the, to, to put me in ministry, to find me faithful when I was, you know, persecuting and killing Christians. And then the, I was the one they were the most afraid of. They were most afraid of him. He was the evil bad guy. Stay away from Paul. And then God says, you know what, evil bad guy? I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to set you free. And I'm going to give you the call on your life. And you're going to spend the rest of your life bringing people into the kingdom. Isn't God amazing? So you're never out of the loop that God can use you, but the real repentance came and the really, not the trying to hide it, not pretending it didn't happen, not blaming anyone else. He steps right up and says, I received mercy. He goes, I was ignorant. I did do it in unbelief. And he, he knows he did it in unbelief. He really thought he was doing what was right. So that's kind of telling us too, there's a lot of religious people who think they're doing what's right. There's a lot of pastors, there's a lot of leaders, there's a lot of teachers, there's a lot of counselors and they think they're doing what's right, but they're doing it by the wrong spirit. They're doing it in a woundedness and mainly they're not yielded to Holy Spirit. All right. He said, but the grace of our Lord abounded exceedingly with faith and love in Christ Jesus. He's just amazed at the grace of God. He goes, God never gives up on us. Isn't that awesome? He never gives up on you. He ne What did we say at the beginning? This is not too big for the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is not too big for the Holy Spirit. Whatever you're facing, it's not too big for the Holy Spirit. And you're a born-again believer, so you're supposed to face it with the Holy Spirit, not without him. It's not too big for the Holy Spirit. Let God deal with the issues of your heart. Yield to him, beg him, ask him to do this. And recognize he's a good father. All right. Faithful is the word and worthy of all acceptance. God's word is faithful. You can believe this word. And it's worthy of all acceptance. Accept his word. Don't try to change it. Accept his word. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He goes, of whom I am chief. He actually died to come save us sinners. And the worst sinners, he loves saving them too. He never thinks anybody is too big a sinner to save. And we need to quit buying into people. I'll just be honest, people I even like in ministry and everything else. If I hear you say that you've passed the line, you can't repent. I don't believe you're not hearing God. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came to die for some of the biggest 
sinners that are trying to destroy our nation. He died for them. And the greatest thing would be if they get saved. If we would get in a place of walking in unconditional love, really praying powerfully, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? We fight in the spirit realm. You can't even fight there if you're still judging people. You can't even fight there if you're the one who, who thinks that you're all that and they're, they're hope, there's no hope for them. We've got to get free from taking this stuff in and we got to separate the spirits involved from the people. God wants to rescue the people. He wants to rescue all of them. It would be a great victory if the people who are trying to hurt our nation the most all get saved and go to heaven. Now, that would be a miracle that no man could pat their, you know, if all of a sudden they, they get on the microphones across the media and say, this is what I did and I'm so sorry and I repent and I'm willing to go to prison because I found Jesus Christ and he's worth it. It can happen. It can happen. And then we'd be like, oh, praise God. And if it's real, then if they get pardoned, we'd be like, yes, look what God did. but we want to parted by somebody who got parted. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, seriously, God knows what he's doing. We just have to do it his way. All right. He says, um, but for this reason, I received mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for an example to those being about to believe on him to everlasting life. Now this King eternal, incorruptible, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow, you could just, as Paul's writing this letter, he gets so caught up in who God is. He just got done telling us what he did, but he doesn't park there. He doesn't identify there. He identifies in the faithfulness of God. He identifies in the goodness of God. He's like, wow, I serve this eternal king. He's incorruptible. He did not fall into sin. He'll never fall into sin. He'll always be right. He's invisible. He's a spirit. He's the only wise God. To him only be the glory forever. All the honor belongs to him. Wow. When, when we get to that place of seeing the things we've done, but having the grace to forgive ourselves, having the grace to let God cleanse us, having the grace to cry out to God, having the, the grace to have no shame and be able to say it and, 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 and preach something in a way that would make people listen to us because, wow, they do know what I'm talking about. In that place of that kind of humility, that kind of humbling himself, he gets such a big picture of how good God is. Such a big picture of how good God is. Get this, get your eyes on God and how good he is. Not when you're walking through this and you're letting God set you free and heal you and causing you to love um, people who've hurt you, causing you to love your heavenly father, causing you to forgive everyone you have to forgive and really meaning it. The great thing in all of that is you're going to see the mercy of God. You're going to see how loving he is, how wonderful he is. You know, the church needs this right now. This political battle in our country has caused a lot of people to get hardened hearts. It's caused a lot of, one way, it's just caused this big divide. And the truth is, God's love is good enough. It is not too big for God to save any of these players, no matter how bad they are. He can save anyone in prison. How big is our God? See, we've bought a lie that some people can't help but to be lawless. And so don't let there be no consequences. 
But if there's never consequences for your lawlessness, then you'll never know how much what Jesus paid because of your lawlessness. You'll never, he died for your lawlessness. He died for it. But you need to repent. You need to hate what he hates and not continue in it. And that's why the enemy loves lawlessness. Then he goes on. And so I, I want to read this because like I said, I'm, I didn't know I was teaching this tonight at all. I had no idea. But as we're doing this to raise up leaders and to raise up those who are going to minister wherever God has you ministering, we all are called to be ministers of reconciliation. He's saying to um, Timothy, this charge I commit to you, Timothy, according to the prophecy going before concerning you, that you might war the good warfare by them. Okay. I encourage you to go back and listen to the prophecies over your life. If you haven't written them down, you need to take the time to write them down. You need to war with them. You need to war with those prophecies. You need to say, this is how God sees me. And some of you that are recorded, you can listen to them. Paul is, I mean, saying right now to Timothy, you're going to fight with the prophecies over your life. You're going to fight with the prophecies of your life. When you hear Stacy Campbell's, um, how her son was healed from the broken neck, she really warred with the prophecies that were given to her um, during that time. And she would take those prophecies before the Lord. And so if you have those prophecies and they were given to you and the Holy Spirit was on it and the person prophesying, you know, you know, wasn't given opinion. They were really Holy Spirit taking over and speaking through them. Begin to prophesy with those. Now let's say you've blown it. You're like, oh, I blew it so bad. These will never come to pass. Then repent. Repent for not taking that prophecy to heart, for not praying over it, for not warring with it, and ask God to please give you an opportunity to see those prophecies come to pass in your life. I think I'm talking to myself there a little bit too. He says, war with those prophecies. Thus saith the Lord, when it's coming from someone who loves God, who knows the word of God, who has the fruit of the spirit, and, and, and God can't even prophesy through donkeys, just know that it's really him. But those, how do you know if a prophecy is really from the Lord? It's because it hits your spirit. It's like something in you knows, this is God. The night that God did that unconditional love thing for you. Didn't you know it was God? Like you just knew it. Okay, you war with that. Okay, if you got it, I don't know if we had it recorded. I don't know for sure that night. But you war with that. And when I say war, it's like, wait a minute. I am unconditionally loved by God unconditionally loved and he surrounded me with people who love me unconditionally and and i believe that i'm not believing anything else i'm standing on that plus it's in his word okay so you know the prophecies that really come from the holy spirit those are the ones you war with not the ones that somebody said or this or that are cute little ones or whatever but the ones that really you know brought such victory to you at the moment or really helped you to get a vision for a future Okay. Now he says, um, so, and I want to say this to those who are, who minister, those who prophesy, get your heart right with God. Remember, Paul is saying here that he was found faithful, that he had dealt with all these issues. And then he was able to prophesy into Timothy's life. And then he's telling Timothy, hold on to those prophecy, war with those prophecies. And so I think it's important to know who's prophesying over you. And I'm not saying people can't come in as guests and prophesy, but it's up to you to discern in your spirit if this is coming from God. And, um, and then 
that, and that the Lord's bringing those to you. And a lot of times, you know, because you'll get them right at the time that you needed it. A lot of times, my personal opinion, which I'm not supposed to have, is not the same as what I prophesy. That's how I know it's God. I always leave going, wow, wow. I got to quit thinking the wrong way about that person because I know the day-to-day -day stuff. Not that God doesn't, but God doesn't care about the day-to-day -day stuff. He knows his plan. He knows his plan. He knows what he sees. And I encourage you to, if your children have been prophesied over, read those prophecies over them. Bring them and get them prophesied over. We got to get the children's church prophesying. Our kids need something to hang on to. They need something to hang on to that comes from God. We all do. And I really encourage you to write down your prophecies. It makes me want to go back and read all my prophecies. I've written down in a notebook somewhere. I just got to find out where. And, and some of them we probably have recorded, but, um, but really, really do that. If you got a true apostle telling Timothy to do that, how many knows it's something that we all need to do? And so we need to get serious about doing this thing God's way. Um, and you war good warfare by them. So if you notice, if, if somebody in our church is going through a pretty big trial, you'll notice a lot of times I'll stop and prophesy over them. The Lord will have me prophesy over them, right? But Paul didn't say, because you got these prophecies, just sit back. He said, war with them. You war with these prophecies. You war with these prophecies. You take these prophecies and you do war. You don't say, well, they didn't get it. No, if they're, if they're prophesying, God prophesies with perfect faith. Okay, so the stronger the person's faith, the, the more powerful the prophecy is going to be. Because they're going to prophesy what God's ability is, not yours. They're going to prophesy what God wants, not you. And as long as you still don't trust that God could use you and wah, 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 and look at this and look at that, and you can see yourself the way the devil wants you to see yourself, then you're not warring with those prophecies. And I've seen a lot of people get great prophecies when the prophetic movement was first going and people were going from thing to thing, getting prophecies, and they were great. Some of them were really true prophecies. But the people just thought that meant they didn't have to deal with their heart issues. It meant no matter what, this was going to happen. And then they leave thinking, well, they didn't prophesy correctly. Then I've heard terrible prophecies. I went to something one time. I, there was a prophet up in, somewhere up in Williamsburg, and they were in town, and um, they were terrible. No, I think they were all the way in Richmond. And um, people from Williamsburg were going. But they were prophesying, like they prophesied over a friend of mine's daughter that she was going to be raped and there was nothing she could do about it. But once, once she uh, was healed, God was going to use her. And I, I went up there. And then when I went up there, this, this was a real false prophet. Okay, this was the real deal false prophet. And everybody was going, flocking, just because there was an anointing. There just was a gross anointing and there was some signs and wonders. And um, so they tried to call out to me that... Um, they saw something about me with a daisy. Well, the only daisy I ever knew was my dad named every single hunting dog, which was like 50 of them. Uh, if they were, the, all the boy dogs were named. The, daisy was the girl dogs. I think Jack was the boy dogs. All the boy dogs were Jack and all the girl dogs were Daisy. And so we had pens and everything just during hunting season. I don't know what my dad did after that, but we won't try to think about it. But anyway, how did I get to that one? <laughs> Oh, okay, right. So a false prophet was saying to me, I just see Daisy. I just see Daisy. Do you know what Daisy? Your name's Daisy. I said, no, no. I said, the only one was my dad's hunting dogs. And then, I, then, then he started pro prophesying something that was bad. And I said, I said, I don't receive that. And they're like, I said, I don't receive that. And I stood in front of everybody. 
Like, and they were kind of like trying to kick me out, which I was like, fine, I'll leave. But I said, I, I don't receive this. This isn't right. And you know, after I went there and did that, that whole thing broke up within another week and they'd been there for about three months praying over people and getting people really messed up and people saying how great it was. And then what they would do is do some good things and then throw a few of those horrible ones in there. And the good news is that person's daughter never got raped, thank God. And, uh, and they said it was, she was going to be raped young by um, somebody in the family or babysitter or something. It's like, but look what that does. Suspicion, afraid, you know, oh, just disgusting. Anyway, so you really need to war with prophecies that come from people who have the character of Christ. And you know they love the word and it doesn't go against the word. He says, having faith and a good conscience, which some having thrust away made shipwreck concerning faith. And he goes on to say some that he's delivered to Satan that they may be taught not to blaspheme. We're not going to get into that. That's, that's not, a, that's really a powerful powerful um ministry revelation that really probably only apostles will do where they literally turn someone over to satan so i don't encourage anyone to do that unless you know that you know that god's having you do that so that their soul might get saved because basically that means nobody's going to pray for that person anymore nobody's going to stop the enemy from doing whatever they want and basically it's almost it's basically putting that person in satan's hands but that's so that they will hate their sin and possibly die crying out for help from the Lord. So it's when somebody's at the very last place and there's no hope for salvation if they don't hate the enemy. And so, but it is something that Paul as an apostle was talking about in his letter to Timothy. That's something that's coming to the church. This stuff is coming to the church. Uh, it was in the early church. It's going to be restored in the end time church. But I would say you better make sure it's God because you don't want to reap that if you're doing it out of your, your flesh or if you get into a wrong spirit. And some of the stuff I hear going on in some of these prophets anymore is, is crossing into that wrong spirit. Um, the only way Paul would do this is because there was no other hope for that man. He was so deceived and so demonized that he would really have to hit such a low bottom being turned over to the enemy. It also showed the power of prayers back then. It showed the power of other people's prayers to protect people, even to a place where they're, they're going to go to hell because they never have to face the sin that they're operating in. And so, um, so I mean, this stuff's going to get really pretty deep and we need God, which we need him anyway, as we come into these last days, okay? So Father, Lord, we just pray for anyone that the enemy's given heart conditions to. Lord, for those who don't even know they're there, Lord, we just ask that this would open our ears and our spiritual eyes to ask you to show us anything that Satan wants to plan, that we can break the power of it, Lord, for us, our children, to break it off of generations. Lord, these things, Lord, if anyone who's hearing walked into such evil as was talked about in this letter this chapter in first this first timothy in first timothy lord that they would take the time to let you totally destroy any bit of those things that would be in their heart or hidden in their heart destroy anything of shame that they would go deep lord god into uh that healing process with you holy spirit so father i thank you what you're going to do i thank you that you interrupt it tonight's pre-planned program to bring this message to your body. And Lord, we give you praise for what you're doing in Jesus' name.
Now, if you love this teaching and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there and there's a resource uh, library there. And also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. 